Welcome to Back from the Brink. I am Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us soon. Soon. So here in Southern California, we're in the middle of a heat wave. Today, my high in this area is going to be 102 degrees. 102. That is toasty. Uh, for those of you living in deserts in the Southland, oh, America, um, best to stay inside during the hot part of the day, which generally falls, generally falls in late afternoon here. So, like, our peak is going to be between 2 and 4 p.m., sort of in that area is where it usually hits. So, uh, you know, we try to get stuff done in the morning because right now it's like 70, mid-70s-ish outside. Um, I think the low was like 72 or 73 overnight. And, uh, yeah, it's been real toasty. And uh, so we do our best. We do our best to endeavor to persevere, as, uh, as once was said in a giant Clint Eastwood movie. So do your best. Again, you endeavor to persevere, I think, was the line from the Clint Eastwood movie. So, um, so I've been, uh, you know, just kind of doing stuff. I've been trying to do inside stuff. I have a storage place, and so I've been cleaning out stuff from the storage locker so I don't have to pay for the rental on the storage locker. Yay! Um, but I'm not quite done yet, so I've been hauling stuff over to my house and sitting inside and sorting through. Do I want to keep this? Do I really need this? Has this brought me joy? I'm, I'm, I'm getting my inner Marie Kondo going here. Has this brought me joy in the last uh, year or two since it's been in storage? Because in a lot of cases, nope, haven't even thought about it. You know, My measurement has been, have I looked for it? Not necessarily that I found it or did I need it, but did I look for it? Was this something that I was thinking about and said, oh, I can't, you know, uh, it's in there somewhere, you know, and, or maybe I I'll, went I'll over and dug around and couldn't find it. But if I look for something, then that's something that perhaps I probably should hang on to uh, and find a place for. If I didn't even look for it, if I didn't, didn't even make a, a motion to find this thing, if it's not been in my mind in the last two years and I find it in a box somewhere I don't I try my best not to go oh yeah I remember this this would be this would be handy I might use this sometime oh get rid of it the other thing that I have found is I can't tell you how many things that I have hmm I need one of these and bought it and then found out as I go through stuff in storage that I had it not once not twice but sometimes three times already bought that particular item because I thought it would be handy so I am taking two or three extras and setting them aside to either donate to uh, you know a charity or they go to the dump. It's one of the two. I mean, if I can donate it to some place where somebody can get some use out of it, if it's a, an item of some value, then more power to it. I will give it to somebody to be used uh, or a family member. But if uh, if I have three of an item, I don't need them. Here's Aaron. Happy Monday. <laughs> Let us continue. Let us continue. I was talking so, about my, my house cleaning or my storage shed cleaning because I'm trying to get rid of a rental fee. And so I've been going through things, and I've been trying to channel my inner Marie Kondo. And so every time I open a box, my thought is one of two things. One is, has anything in here brought me joy in the last year? Because obviously not. It's been in a box. But so my measurement has been, is it something that I've thought about and tried to find or gone looking for and tried to find and couldn't find in the last year or two? If I've, if I've gone looking for it and couldn't find it, 
then perhaps there's some value to it. If I haven't gone looking for it, I probably don't need it. I can probably live without it. I can, you know, and it's costing me money to keep it stored somewhere. So maybe I should just reconsider that and get rid of it. So that's kind of been my measuring stick, you know. Um, I need to do that. It's hard. It's hard, but I, I am literally throwing money away every month to store it somewhere where I never look at it, never touch it, never use it, um, you know, except for a few items that I've gone looking for and in some cases haven't been able to find. The other thing that I've discovered when I'm um, uh, digging through stuff is that there are certain items that I find that I actually do use. And as a result, when I went looking for it, couldn't find it or could, didn't remember that I would bought it before and bought it again. And so I am finding two and three and sometimes four iterations of certain items. And so I, I, if I find those, I try to put them together. I pick the one that I like the most, and the remaining items then will be donated and or destroyed and thrown away. One of the two. You know, so where are you going to donate them? Um, so in my area, the Salvation Army has a depot dump-off you know, donate place uh, on 6th Street in Corona, and that's my preferred place to take stuff. They are open and taking uh, donations, and so I will donate there. If they won't take it, I don't go through a lot of hoops to try to find someone else. From there, it goes to a trash can or the dump if they don't want it. Ah, yes. Well, we are. I, I get an, a stupid attachment to stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's because we moved every two years or every 18 months when I was growing up that mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I, I get it. And I'm, I have way too much stuff. Yeah, I'm we went through that too growing that, up for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I, I, uh, I have clothes that I'll never wear again. There's like stuff that's hopelessly out of style and, yeah. you know, or stuff that doesn't fit or stuff that I just don't like anymore. And, you know, yeah. I need to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. Yeah, isn't it a weird thing, too? Because you recognize that and yet you still have a hard time letting go of it. Yes. You know, it's yes. like, it's like, but, 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 and yeah, there's no rational reason. And it is just, it's just an emotional feeling, right? And, and so I have found though that, the, and this is, this is actually very, it's a very good feeling, is there's an incredible feeling of, of relief that, that, that surprisingly hanging on to that stuff, there's sort of this background stress level of it that you didn't realize yeah. was there. And as you start letting go of it, A, your space becomes more tidy and you feel good about that. And then also, in, in my case, there is a dollar amount attached to the cost of storage because I'm paying to store it somewhere. And as I get closer to the horizon of say, being able to go back to the storage place and saying you can have your space back, I feel so much better. I really yeah. do. Um, yeah. And so so it's self-reinforcing once you start the process, but but it does require that sort of like motivation. And my motivation when it's, when I paid the bill this last month, I went, this is ridiculous because um, I'm actually paying for two storage spaces. And right now I'm trying to just get rid of one of them, get it down to one. Then I'll start worrying about whittling the one down. But um, yeah, it yes. just makes no sense at all for me to be doing that. And, and especially for so much stuff that I literally haven't touched or cared about or, you know, I mean, I've, I've been living for a couple years where we're living now and not had any inkling or need for most of this stuff. There's a few items that I go and say, oh, yeah, I need this or I'll get that or, you know, um, but holy moly, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. 
kids. I have a storage space that has filled with my late mother's uh, furniture mm-hmm. and stuff that my, my brother was like, let's just get rid of it right after she died. And I thought, I can't even go there. I, my brain cannot go there. I just, yeah. no. Because I was just, you know, in the, in, the, in the middle of the grief of having my mother die. And right. so, you know, but that was in, in 2016. Right. So it's been almost four years since she passed away. Um, and so I. Uh, yeah. And in that I, time, have is there anything that's in that storage that you have thought, oh, I wish I could see that or wish I had that out or something? Well, she has a beautiful, beautiful dining room table. Mm-hmm. And yes. So I have thought about that. So um, pull that out and get rid of the rest of it. I know, but I just can't. I, I have to tell you, this is my own neuroses, I suppose. But, you know, I watch. So I, I mentioned that I love watching. Um, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, fixer Upper, right? right? But Demolition Day freaks me out. Like when they start crashing <laughs> in walls and all of that. And I don't know why, but it's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And it's I the know. the best day. Uh, well, clearly, clearly. Well, it's certainly the one that uh, yeah. Chip likes the most. Yeah, no, there's a lot of anxiety there. Okay. I understand. You know, if you ever watch that in, on the, the renovation shows, not the, you know, where, the, where it's, you're renovating somebody's house or room or something, those people sometimes actually, you'll see them, they'll come in there and they'll start hammering us and they'll start crying. Yes. You know, and it's like, yes, I want to change this stuff, but it's just the change is so stressful. And. As much as I'm not happy with what this is, the way my kitchen is set up right now, it's my kitchen, and it, it hurts me to, to just trash it like that, you know. But they always feel good in the end, you know. The end result is always a positive thing. So just remember the positive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, and I know that rationally, but the, but the right. mind does things that you hope that it wouldn't do and, like, make you cry when they're crashing in a wall that you don't want. Right. But it's your wall. It's the wall that you've always had. It's yeah. the wall your children walked past how many years and you're going like, it's a wall. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. Like I said, I, I have some some tendencies to want to pack away and keep and hold on to things, too. And yet, as I am going through this, I'm finding it really a, it's such a it, it is such a positive feeling. It is exhausting work because it it's you know i'm not going to pick up a box and toss it without looking in it and going through it and seeing what's there which means that that i have to pick it up and you know dig through it and see what's there and i mean there's lots and lots of stuff these are big storage things that i've got full of i mean uh, at some point i said i don't want things in cardboard boxes so i started buying those clear pa- plastic tubs with the lids that are attached so you can't lose the lids like two halves fold together to close on top of it Yes. And and it's nice because you can kind of, you know, pick up the box and see what's in it. And then I've put labels on the ends of it or put pieces of paper on the end with a printout of what is in the box. So I can kind of, you know, from the end see what's in there and get a feel for stuff, which is great. It's a great way to kind of store stuff. But when you're tired of paying to store stuff and you're trying to go through these things, um, you know, it's it's still emotionally and physically wearing to go through and do all of that. And uh I have emptied like twenty some boxes and still have many to go. You know, it's like it just never ends. <sighs> so yeah, you know, I we we have to do that. We've been in our house since nineteen ninety seven, and so you know, it it we really have to go through some stuff and get rid of. The kids are grown, and 
you know, it's really not necessary for us to hold mm-hmm. on to a bunch of crap that we don't need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have George Carlin in my head because, yeah. yes, my garage is full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. My stuff is stuff and your stuff is crap. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm hanging on to all that crap, but don't touch my stuff. You know, uh, yeah, it was an insightful observation on George Carlin's part. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's funny, too, because I find myself becoming resentful as I look at a box that says, like, insert daughter's name here's stuff. And it's like, uh-huh. why am I, why, they've both been living out of my house for, for multiple years now. Why am I paying in a storage locker to hold their stuff? Yeah. They should take their stuff. If they don't want their stuff, their stuff should be thrown away. But they're like, you know, no, 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 hang on to that. I'm, you know, I, I, like, Ugh. It's like, you now you're an adult, you hang on to yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but admittedly, they're both in sort of the, you know, young adult transitional, not in a large space. You know, one's living with, with my parents and one's, you know, in a very small apartment on her own. They don't have room and they're not in a, you know, in a career situation where they could afford their own storage locker to hold their stuff. So... You know, as a parent, you continue to support your children, but you just go like, "Why do I have all this stuff?" Yeah, that's not that didn't happen when I was growing up. No, yeah. no, 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 no. My mom moved to Hawaii, and it was like uh, anything that you don't take, I'm throwing away, and she did. Yeah, not in, <laughs> it's not in my suitcase, and I ain't taking it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, There's she some could some have. her company some, moved her. She could some have madness and magic didn't. in that move to Hawaii, right? <laughs> You're now looking back, thinking about that so more, very differently than when you were younger, right? You're going, oh, yes. Maybe I just need to move someplace where it's hard to move all this crap, and then <laughs> exactly. And then I'll have I less go to stuff. Anchorage, though, there that's where go. I want to go. Or yeah, Juneau, well, this t- Alaska. This time of year, that'd be a perfect place to go. <laughs> it's like where yes. do you want to move? Anywhere colder. Anywhere. Top of the highest mountain, cold. That's what I want. I don't like this hot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, have you seen pictures of Juneau? It is unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Alaska is more, you know, is a bigger city and has some of the bigger city issues, like higher crime. And I mean, not Alaska, uh, Anchorage. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's still beautiful. I yeah, mean, Juneau's the, the capital, mountains. and it's on the west coast of of the the main body of like Canada, almost as opposed to you know that little finger that comes down off of Alaska that that is still United States instead of Canada. Right. Yes. So yes. its beaches are more beaches are more um, kind of west facing instead of south facing, like Alaska comes up and curves around. So um, for yes. those of you who aren't geography nerds, you kind of know where it's at. <laughs> uh, it's it's where uh, Sarah Palin, who didn't actually say it, but when she was being Tina Fey, said, "I can see Russia from my front door." Yes, she. Yes, and that, but she she was from Wasilla. Yeah. And Wasilla is a is a, a suburb of Anchorage. Right, but she um, uh, was governor, and so she resided as governor in Juneau for a period. Juneau, of time. that's right. So, yes. As we know. Um, I wonder if she had not resigned as governor, I wonder what her career would have been like. You know, people after that kind of saw her as a quitter. Mm-hmm. I know I did, and uh, you know, I wish that she had. I wish that she had held stayed in that position, 
and done well, uh-huh. you know, um, because I think it would have people were were, you know, the media was pretty merciless in dealing with her. Oh, they were. They they tore her up and down. I mean, they just yeah. And and in and I, in a sense, I feel really bad for her because I don't know that anybody gave her a chance. Chance. Um, and Tina Fey's, you know, skewering of her was so dang good, so funny, that um, you know that's what people remember. I don't think she was quite the the idiot that she was portrayed. In, in the in the news media, although she didn't do a lot to help herself there either. No, no, but you know, you look at if you think about how the media is handling Kamala, you know, because you know she's female and she's African American, and they're just mm-hmm. falling over themselves and to just fawn all over her and blah blah blah, and it's so historic. They treated Sarah Palin like garbage. Oh yeah, they did, and yet she was one of the first ones to come out and congratulate um, uh, Camilla Harris on her. Uh, selection as the VP candidate, and uh, and you know basically wished her well and said that I you know I hope that you're you know treated more kindly than I was basically. Yes, um, it's true she did. Yeah, I mean she was you know very gracious and very quick to come out and say hey, you know yay for women. Um, yeah, so I think she got kind of the, the short shrift there, but um, like I said, I don't think she did a whole lot to help herself either. Um, you know, my my feeling is that whole campaign was one that was run by the handlers more than they should have. That that McCain and and she both should have stood up to the people in the party who were sort of telling them how to behave and say, "Stop it! We understand how to be grownups, and just let us be us." And they would have yeah. probably been both in a better better light. I don't know they would have won, but they would have definitely been in a better light. You know, we were talking about Alaska, and I every time I think of Alaska, I think there's a scene in a movie called The Proposal with Sandra uh, Bullock and uh, oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and I love it because, you know, they're basically sitting in the immigration office and she comes up with the idea that they're going to get married and uh, and she and she throws out, Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna go visit his family and 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 the guy goes, And his family is where? And she goes, Well why am I talking? You you explain and he goes, Yeah, we're going to Sitka and there's this long pause. And she goes, Yeah, yeah, Sitka and he goes, Alaska and she goes <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and and of course the Sitka that's portrayed in the in the movie is is really cute and gorgeous and it was actually someplace on the other coast of Canada I think or uh, oh no it was actually uh, principal photography was in Manchester by the sea in Massachusetts. Oh. Uh, it was where it was actually filmed. It wasn't filmed in Sitka. So if you want to go visit the Sitka of the movie, go to Manchester by the Sea in Massachusetts. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Because it's by the sea. <laughs> also known simply as Manchester. Manchester. Because the by and the sea the seems redundant. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the sea seems redundant when it is by the sea. We don't really need to point that out to you. There's this big body of water over there. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester by the sea. Go uh, crazy, so crazy s- people. I'm sitting in my house now. Oh, because I can do that now that every that Tobin's at work and the girls are at school because there's usually I would sit in my car for the last part of the uh yeah, for the podcast now you, and now I'm in my house alone. and have a cat in my lap. Home alone with home kitty cats. Alone with kitty That's cats and puppy dogs who are not quite in the house yet. 
That's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, poor puppies. Yeah, I definitely want to keep them, and I know ours have been staying. Well, ours are pretty much house dogs anyway. I mean, I've got miniature wiener dogs for the listeners. Who yes, I, my my dogs are big, and every time we go to put them out, in, out at night, and, and it's late, right? We're going to bed. Um, they look at us like, how could you? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> what did I do to you? Yeah. <laughs> but they do have to go out at night. They do. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. you know. Well, we put ours out do. at night to do their business before they then go into their crate. Uh, well, actually, they go onto our bed for a short period of time before they go into the crate. But um, they, uh, yeah, they, they are like, you want me to go out where? <laughs> you know, normally they're like, okay, let the, we know the routine. We go out, we do our business, then we come back in, and then we can go to bed. And now it's like they go out and they turn around, and they look at us from the patio, and we're like, no, go on all the way out there, go on, go. You know, so then they go out and they sit in the grass and they look at us like, what am I supposed to do out here? Or they'll like, like, kind of like do this little like fake squat and look at us like, is that good enough? Can I come in now? Can I come back? In? No. <laughs> I don't want you to wake up at two in the morning crying because you gotta go. <laughs> yes, you have to treat them like children. It's like no, you have to go and you have to go now. But I don't feel like going. I don't need to go. Go. <laughs> yeah. The great thing about dogs is that if you get into a routine, dogs are very much creatures of habit, and so they, they know, are. They know the routine. They know, you know, it's like, oh, it's X amount. It's this time. It's time to eat. So they'll go stand by where they're supposed to, where their food bowl is and go, all right, feed me. It's time to eat. And they have amazingly accurate internal body clocks. It's like, it's time to go now. They don't know time. You know, it's like you could be gone 30 seconds and come back and it's act like they've never seen you before. They're just, oh, this is so good to see you. I missed you so much. But but they 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 know that routine, that timing of that routine, man. It's like, it's time to eat. Time to take a nap. It's time to go to bed. It's time to, you know, we know that these are the things that we do in a certain sequence. Then you start messing with their sequence and they get all out of sorts. <sighs> so I um, love them puppies. Uh, <laughs> love them puppies. Love them. Oh, and it's just been so great. You know, they've been so cuddly and so wonderful. It's like, thank you. It's cool inside. Thank you for letting mm -hmm. us in. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to be at Manchester by the Sea right now. I know. They got mild weather, and it's a beautiful ocean town. Their population in 2010 was 5,136 people. Yeah, and it probably cost $25 million to buy a house there. Well, there's that. So, speaking of money, Fontana is providing $1 million in rent and mortgage relief uh, to its residents. You I can could live apply in a nice place for a million dollars. Well, I mean, that that's the total... Total. <laughs> I know. It's not going to one person. So up to $5,000 in aid is available for pe a period of more, no more than three consecutive months. Bless you. I think that's awesome. <laughs> more cities should be doing that. You yeah. okay? I am. I am fine. Um, and future reference, when I sneeze, I actually mute it for the recording, so I know it goes out live, but then people listening to this after the fact will go, why did she say bless you? Because I had muted my mic. But I have two mics going on. I use one for, for Skype and one for the recording, and I know it's way behind baseball, ah, so we don't need to know So that. I shouldn't have said bless you, because then they wouldn't know. Well, somebody's not going to know, other than we had this weird conversation about it after the fact. <laughs> Aaron, out of the blue, goes, bless you. And then bless start, you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's allergies. I got allergies, and I can't help yeah. it. 
and I go yeah. through these weird sneezy, itchy, runny nosey fits that, that don't go away, you know. But it's so weird. It will. I don't know about you. For me, those that my allergies they come on like that. I mean, it's like yes. I'm hit. I'm fine. I'm here. Nothing. And literally, I am sitting in my shack out back. There is nothing in here that I am not used to being around. There's nothing in here that that should trigger an allergy, and yet, it, you know, something in the air will set me off. I mean, I do have an air conditioner. I have air being pumped in from outside. It's being cooled, I guess. And, um, you know, but I've even got an air filter. I have a HEPA filter with the charcoal filter on it in this space. And uh, because I try to keep the dust down, you know, know, we live in a desert. And um, go figure. You know, and suddenly I will be itchy and sneezy and my nose will start running and I'll feel miserable. My eyes will water and then I'll be fine after about five minutes. And I go on my merry way. Uh, but in the meantime, I may have 47 sneezes and feel miserable. And these sneezes, every time I sneeze, I literally feel it in my joints. It's like it hurts my um, uh, my lymph nodes or something. It's the weirdest thing. When I sneeze, it seems to bother my lymphatic system, and I ache. <laughs> it's just weird. No. Well, no, yeah. it's what it, it causes, the allergy causes inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And that's why you ache. Because it's inflammation beyond just you know, sneezing, it's inflammation everywhere. But it's um, not that. It's, I feel like this, this weird, after, when I sneeze, I get this weird, like, ache in the joints, and then it fades away. And it just happens right when I sneeze. It's not like, interesting. It's like, like, when I sneeze, like, there's this giant rush of pressure or something. And I'm, I'm guessing my lymphatic system, because you tend to have lymph nodes at your joints and stuff. So that's kind of where it feels like it's coming from. But I don't know. Yeah, and it's something that I have felt when I sneeze for for years. I, I don't know if that's common or not, you know, but uh, that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I mean, so, I get the inflammation part, but that doesn't come and go like this does. No, no, it doesn't. You yeah. have to, to do things to reduce that inflammation, like right. cutting out what's causing the inflammation or taking an anti-inflammatory yeah. or, or using turmeric or turmeric or some of the other yeah. um, um anti-inflammatory I, I have been eating more turmeric lately right. than, than I, it's, it's a wonder i'm not like turning bright orange um, <laughs> it uh one of the things that i've been eating and i think i've talked about this uh is you know i've been uh juicing and i've been following part of this cert food diet which is apparently how adele lost all of her weight and i just thought well you know what it's something to do and it's fairly low calorie and basically it's eating a lot of fresh vegetables with a little bit of um you know, good protein mixed in. And, uh, and so, you know, I looked at the, the diet and I looked at all of the recipes and said, well, there's some different um, spices that I'm used to, which is nothing wrong with that. I'll try new flavors. Um, but it's all healthy food. So I thought, all right, I'll try it. And so far, yeah, I've been losing some weight. But, um, man, we put turmeric in like scrambled eggs. Last night I made a, a chicken curry and there was three tablespoons of turmeric because you used some as a uh, as a marinade for the chicken, some in the sauce, some in the water that you boiled potatoes in, so the potatoes came out bright yellowy orange. Um, there's just turmeric in everything. Sounds yummy. Oh, it's delicious. I love Indian food, mm-hmm. and um, Indian food uses uh, turmeric and all kinds of other wonderful spices mm-hmm. that make it this aromatic experience, as well as a as a you know some a, delicious on your on your tongue. Um, I, I absolutely love, I love Indian food. And actually, I think I might make something Indian for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. I buy What's these, an Indian um, breakfast? 
well, uh, well, okay. I I don't know if it's an Indian breakfast, but it's something something Indian Indian flavors for breakfast. So what I gotcha. I buy not I necessarily buy a breakfast type of meal or what we would categorize as breakfast. You're making a meal that happens to be Indian that you will eat for breakfast. Indeed. There you um, go. So I don't like a typical American breakfast for whatever reason. Our breakfasts are sweet. I don't like that. So mm -hmm. um, uh, I have these pouches, these Tasty Bite pouches. Um, that, that, um, like I'll get the Vindaloo or I'll get the, um, uh, you know, some other, some other, I don't remember which one I have in there, uh, like a coconut milk, something or other. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I make rice and put it over rice. They heat up in like, um, like 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just pour it over rice and it's delicious. And so that's some probably lentils what I'm that have. way. Some like pouches of lentils, like yeah. two, two servings. I'm sure. And I'm sure they were like good three different flavors uh, and they're all Indian but they're different um, areas of India so they're slightly different ways of fixing mm -hmm. the lentils and so you can pick your pouch and I bought them on Amazon and I thought I was getting like a pouch of each to try them I got like a case of each to try them oh wow <laughs> it was like a much better deal than I thought I was getting when I bought them and uh, and so yeah I've got I, I still have them I'm still working my way through are them. they bright yellow pou pouches uh, they've got. I think they've got some yellow on them. I can't remember the brand. I'll have to go check and see because I actually I haven't eaten any in a while. But I should eat some more because, you know, I don't want them to to spoil. But they're, you know, when they're in those foil pouches, they're sort of like canned, and so they right. they've got a long shelf life. I have to check the date, but as my recollection, they were good to like 2022. So I've got I've got time. So they're the ones the ones that are in a yellow, bright mm -hmm. yellow, um, or like a yeah, like a. Remember the peachy folders, like peachy folded yes. yellow. Yeah, um, those, that's a very specific those, those color. Are from a company, <laughs> yes, the, those, those are from a company called Tasty Bite, and I like those very much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I uh, can, uh, talking about food, that's, that's, yeah. what we, that's what we do best. Yeah, I'll, I'll double ding it because we kept going. Um, so I want to talk about something that I think is absolutely stupid. So this, this I am not. Heard, <laughs> take that back. Have you heard of an author named Robin D'Angelo? The the ones I ordered, by the way, are lentil, are, are tasty bite lentils. Uh, lentils. Oh, okay, yeah, they're yeah, really I, good. I've got Bombay, Madras, and Bengal uh, lentils. Yeah. So the Bombay potatoes are so good. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite, and it's sold out a lot. Of, so the, the, of the flavor of lentils, I, I've got to say I like the Bombay the most and then the Bengal ones. The Madras ones were a little different, and I didn't like them quite as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 you, you called it tasty bite. Yep. Yep. I so, went to Amazon, uh, so I went to my orders and did a search real quick. <laughs> said, what did I buy? So um, anyway, so um, so you, have you heard of an author called named uh, Robin D'Angelo? It sounds familiar. So then she is the one who wrote white fragility. That's a, that's a book that's um, that's getting a lot of traction, and I think it's on the New York Times. I'm certain it's on the New York Times bestseller list, et cetera. Well, the University of Connecticut, Connecticut is paying her $20,000 to train its administrators on the finer points of anti-racism. And they're not at all getting the irony of hiring a white person to tell yeah. other white people how to be anti-racist. I didn't know she was white. I don't know anything about her. Yeah, but, uh, I and, think it's funny. It, it, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism is the subtitle of white fragility. And I'm going, who says it's hard? Well, exactly. <laughs> well, she's but she's making a lot of money on that book. I think yay she's, for her. Yay, good for you. Go uh, you know, and 
you know, and I have to say that that that, you know, when when the left talks about about whiteness, it seems to me that they're talking about the 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 East Coast uh, gentry, for lack of a better word. And we don't really have lords and ladies. We don't have those, but the, the East Coast gentry, the very wealthy white people who send their kids to private school and on to Ivy League schools, and um, uh, you know who 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 have all of this power and then they get out in the rest of the country and you have people who don't have any power. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, whatever. So I, they would say that that's a privileged thing for me to say. Okay, maybe. Um, but I, th- anyway, they're paying her $20,000 to, to train uh, faculty at this, uh, at, at the university of Connecticut. And mm-hmm. I just think it's so, it's they should so hire Baratunde Thurston instead. Are you, are you familiar with Baratunde Thurston? He's a, a no. hum, he's a humorist. Is an African American. Uh, he's a writer for the Onion. If that gives you any idea about his. his oh, okay. And he he has published a book which I think is awesome. I own a copy of it. It's called How to Be Black. <laughs> yeah, and he says okay. you know he leverages his thirty plus years expertise in being black with helpful essays like How to Be the Black Friend, How to Speak for All Black People. And how to celebrate <laughs> Black History Month, um, and, and it's funny because it's written for people of all races, and he is hilarious, and it's perfect because it addresses a lot of things that that um, you know are in and around racism, but he does it in a way that everybody goes like, you know, sees the the silliness of it. You know, he gets the point across. He is an incredibly talented writer and comedian, and uh, I, I recommend that if you're going to buy a book, go buy How to Be Black instead of the other one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Ibrahim Kendi, um, or Ibram Kendi, who wrote um, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I mean, if your topic is mm-hmm. anti-racism, and you know he's African-American, hire him. Don't yeah. hire the white woman to come and talk about whiteness. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's like funny. You, you know, have, it, go ahead. Uh, you have $20,000 to spend on a speaker, but you pick a white one. Right. To talk about racism. Yes. Well, I guess technically, if you're talking about racism, then all races have something to say. You know? So yeah, we're talking about races in America where it's history, yeah. his, historically unfair treatment of, of people with dark skin. Let's pick somebody who has really pale skin to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Yes. You know, on Amazon, I, they have a section at the bottom of every like thing saying, frequently bought together because they're trying to get you to buy other stuff. Guess what the three books are that they have listed? <laughs> how to be black, white fragility, and how to be an anti-racist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Those three. Buy the three together. You've covered all the points. The white perspective, the black perspective, and the comedian's perspective. <laughs> and I bet the comedian is more insightful than the other two put together. It's very possible. I, I really, I, I've listened to him on some, some podcasts talking about tech because he also t- happens to be kind of a techie. Um, and... Uh, and he is a very, very bright man, Baratunde Thurston, and, and just hilarious. So, um, you know, uh, and in fact, he reads the book if you buy it as an audio book, because I own it both ways. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I do that. You, now you know why I have to have a storage locker, because I got so much crap. I mean, stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, my stuff is stuff. Your stuff is crap. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I have on more than one occasion bought the audio book and the, the, the printed book because I will read the printed book when I'm sitting at home. But then I like when I get in the car to keep going 
And so, um, but I found that it's actually better to buy the Kindle book because they sync to each other now, which is very cool. So yes, you they buy, do. You buy the book as a Kindle, you can be reading, and then when you get in the car and want to listen to it while you're driving, it goes to the right spot right where you left off, which is awesome. Yeah, cool technology. Love that, that technology. Yes. I, 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 um, I like listening to audiobooks, although, uh, frankly, because I've been home, we've, I don't listen to them Less as much so. because right. I'm home, right? Yeah, so me I, too. So when I was spending a lot of time in the car commuting or just, you know, going to clients or whatever, then I, then I listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's really hot out. You can run your air conditioner in the car more cheaply um, for a couple <laughs> gallons of gas. So just put on a good book, run the air conditioner, take a drive. Pollute the air a little <laughs> okay, bit because, you know, there's not enough air in the pollution in the air with all the fires. to you know, go Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, and I have to say that my asthma has been kicked up. With our, the, the air quality is terrible right it now. It really is. It really is. Um, the, the, the fires, I mean, we had a fire here in Corona, but the fires on the north side of the valley uh, towards L.A. and, and in the, you know, the mountains above us are just really bad. The, the, you know, and then the Apple Fire on the, on the uh, east side of the valley, and it's just, you can't win. We're sitting in between a giant tinderbox of smoldering dust and smoke, and uh, it's those of us who, who don't uh, have the best breathing equipment don't like that. Yep. Don't like it at all. <sighs> Thus yeah. my air filter in my shack out back. I just, you know, shelter in place, my little bomb shelter here. So apparently um, the Democrats are expected to go after a key demographic tonight. And who do you think that uh, key demographic is? People with purple hair. Kelly Osborne. Because they're... Kelly Osborne is not. I don't think she's an American. I don't think she. I think she's still British. Does she not have a dual citizenship? Mm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. At any rate, no. She's lost a ton of weight too, by the way. Okay. Recently, so, saw a picture of her. You need to focus. You need to focus. Hey, if I have to focus, I'll focus. <laughs> so, who are the Democrats so going after? Unhappy Republicans. So, GOP, the, so uh, Governor. Uh, former governor, former Ohio governor John Kasich, who is a uh, pretty moderate Republican, will appeal to unhappy Republicans as the convention begins tonight. So the political convention, unlike any that came before, thanks to the pandemic, begins tonight. The Democratic event to formally nominate Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will run from uh, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I think that's Eastern time. Monday through Thursday, and you can watch on all in all the usual places. Um, so to Monday night, the speakers are tonight, Michelle Obama, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, and a Republican, former Ohio Governor John Kasich, um, and are among the names on the speaker roster. Also, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto from, I don't know where she's from, uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Representative Jim Clyburn, um, the convention chairman, Representative Benny Thompson, uh, Representative Gwen Moore, and Senator Doug Jones. So he is trying to, he being John Kasich, is trying to appeal to uh, disenfranchised Republicans or former Republicans because they've had, the party has had an exodus, you know, since the, since the, the, the odd turn, I don't even want to call it a right turn, just the European sense of nationalism turn. Um, that it took by nominating Trump. Some people refer to it as the Cheeto turn. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to watch. I'm, I'm actually interested in hearing mm -hmm. what they have to say. Now, I might get irritated and change the channel, but I, I do want to watch tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll wait for the, um, the summarizations <laughs> from the high-quality news people that we have. <laughs> Oy, yeah, maybe that's a mistake. I don't know. If there's anything that that's, uh, comes out of it that, that is super interesting that everybody can't help but talk about, then I guess I'll go watch the – you can go back and watch bits and pieces of it. It will all be available for download, at least the, anything interesting there. So you can watch it live – well, see the live as opposed to listening to the opinions of talking heads who, who are so biased that they can't see past their nose. Uh, so, yeah. Kelly Osborne, by the way, apparently is a uh, U.K. citizen – born there raised all over the place but doesn't have dual citizenship so yeah i thought uh, she was she was british yeah well they might be appealing to brits who knows with purple hair that maybe <laughs> could, that, that could have been a demographic they were going for um, you know just because they can't vote doesn't mean anything they can mail in vote i mean anybody can mail in vote it's good that's the way you cheat right um <laughs> so says the the uh chief I was going to say Cheeto in Chief, but that's tacky. I didn't want to go there. Well, like I said, Stephanie Miller says Cheetolini. She calls yeah. him Cheetolini. She does. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a family member who calls him Cheeto Head. So, um, you know, which is ironic. You know, when he was making up names for everybody during when he, when he first kind of started running and he was in the, the Republican primaries and he had names for all of his competitors, you know. And so I'm surprised somebody didn't, like, say, well, there goes Bozo. Because he has hair color about the same as Bozo the Clown. <laughs> um, he, he behaves like a clown at times. Um, you know, and, and again, most all due respect to the, to the office of the president, he does not behave presidentially. Um, I think that some of his actions have been actually positive things. Um, but, but his behavior, I don't think anybody on any side of the aisle would say, is, is what we traditionally would have thought of as presidential and leadership behavior. So, you know, even if you're a big fan of him, some of the things he does and says are just horrifying. Um, you know, but, hey, he's there. He's the prez for now. For now. So with that, we are uh, out of time. Show for today. Yeah, time has run its course. It's so funny because I looked up at the clock and it was like a quarter after we'd been talking for a few minutes. You'd been on. And I thought, okay, well, what are we going to talk about for the next 30 minutes? And then I look up and it's like, oh. Time's up. Time's up. It flies. So anyway, thank you for joining us so much. My name is Todd Brinker. And I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great Have day, a everybody. Have a great day.